Today I will finish up Acts chapter 2 um, in the end of a sub-series of five sermons that I have been doing in this last paragraph from verses 42 through 47. And I ask you now to stand and we will read once again and, and finally for some time until the Lord puts us in this passage once again. Hear now the word of the Lord as I read verses 36 through 47. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Christ both Lord, Jesus both Christ and Lord, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, and for all who are far off, every one whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So that, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the pre- proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, manifest this word and truth in us. Help us to respond with what shall we do with repentant hearts and trusting hearts in your promises and to do these things that have been set forth before us according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I will focus today just on this last verse and its connection to other parts in the book of Acts. And then also, what I see in the consistency from how... This is connected to other areas where God increased his church to look for the particular themes that were there and then to try to answer once again, what shall we do as we see that this is a fruit of the spirit for the church, a fruit of the promises of what God had promised in the Messiah and what Jesus had promised that as he would ascend, he would send us his comforter and that this work would be accomplished amongst his people What are we to do with this? How are we to respond to this? This verse, praising God and having favor with all the people, 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's a bit of a merger, merger with what I preached last Sunday. I, I talked about the particular things that they were doing and attending the temple together and focusing on that word attending and seeing that there was this steadfast commitment among those in the early church here. This togetherness, again, a theme that you will see throughout Acts. It's a, it's a place where Luke highlights over and over again that there was this togetherness, this bonding and committedness to each other. And this breaking of bread in their homes where they would transfer the things that they were hearing and doing together and worshiping the Lord cor- corporately and how they would bring it familiarly amongst other families as they would be hospitable to each other in their homes. And then looking deep into this word glad and, and this word generous and seeing that it was far greater than just a general happiness but a, an, an exciting fervor of exuberant joy for what the Lord had, had, Lord had done for them. And then now here we are again looking at these words praising God and having favor with all the people. It's an interesting thing, this having favor with all the people. When we think about what it is in the mission of the church, it doesn't seem like it would fit into a list. All these other things kind of fit. They fit with being devoted to the Bible, being devoted to the Word. Like, yep, that's something the church ought to be doing. Being together in prayer, yep, that's something that they should be doing. Praising God. Sharing their goods with one another wherever there is need. But in this list, you have this, and they had favor. And we think, well, well, that's not something that you can do. That's something that happens. But is it something that we pray for? Is it something that we long for? Here in this particular passage, I believe there is a connection, because I see it in other areas, especially in Acts, where this idea of favor among the people is merging in with this increase that the Lord has in building his church. There's something there. There's something here. And I want to highlight those particular things. So the first thing I want to talk about today is the relationship of the praising and pointing to the mighty deeds of God, the word of the Lord, with the good name that the people had and how that works in in a correlation with the increase of the church and his kingdom. Secondly, I want us to try to answer the question, added to what? It says they were added to them. This number was added to them. What is it being added to? Now we're thinking, well, of course it was added to the church. But what does that mean when people are being added to God's people? What are we seeking when we think about evangelism, when we think about reaching out to people? We tend to think about we want people to come to know the Lord and to walk to the Lord. But do we think about evangelism in the mindset of adding to the church, adding to the body of Christ? The context that we see in the scriptures, which I'll highlight for you here momentarily, is that it There's an adding to, there's an adding to the number of people that as the explosion of the Spirit occurred amongst them, the Word of God is putting it in the context of adding to people, adding to a body. Not just that people are coming to know the Lord. So what is it that we're adding to? 
And then lastly, what are we planting? What are we about in our gardening work? What kind of seeds are we sowing? So first of all, if you would, if you turn to Acts chapter 5, if you have your Bibles with you today, I basically went through and was trying to see different areas where it highlighted, where Luke highlighted particularly, that there was an addition being done to the church. It says in verse 12, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Here we see some consistency with chapter 2 that they were together, and it's the same exact Greek word, where they are, this is, there's this bonding unity that they had. If you've ever seen a picture or a drawing of the temple, Solomon's portico is up on the top. It's, it's, it's a patio porch area outside of the temple on the temple mount. And they would gather there. They had always been gathering there. And it was common for them to continue to gather there. Even after the ascension of the Lord, they came there to be centered around the proclamation of God's word. It was a normative thing in their practice. It was a thing that Jesus did in his ministry. And until the destruction of the temple, it was a thing that they continued to do. Not because they were going back to the temple sacrifices, but they were still devoted to coming together and surrounding the word of God, which is what you are doing here today. You are coming together. You are devoted once a week by a commitment that we've decided at a particular time here on the Lord's Day to gather around and to be centered in the word. And we've had the word proclaimed from the very beginning, and it is continually interwoven through our songs and our prayers and in proclamation. The word is the center of our public togetherness. That is what they were doing. Again, it's interesting, you see here once again that the people that were watching them and observing them, other Jews and other people that had not yet come to the number, that even those who were not added to the number were finding them to be of high esteem. And I find that interesting that you see that in chapter 2, that they had good favor among the men and women in their community. And here again, even the people that didn't join them held them in high esteem. Just put that on the shelf for a little bit. And then here we see, and more believers were added. So much that it was clear that through the signs and wonders that were being done through the apostles, that there was a message being done that Jesus Christ had the power, the resurrected power to heal people. Now for us, this is a teaching moment. And for them, it is a teaching moment. We don't see that there is this continuance that continually that the work of the church is always about 
the physical healing of people. Even Jesus' ministry also, it was used for a purpose to show the power that Jesus has over sin. God uses the healing of people to proclaim the gospel of forgiveness of sins. He also brings forth a grace to us in that. But we know that all these people who were healed, again, just like Lazarus we mentioned weeks ago, they would get sick again and they, they died. None of those people are walking around this earth saying, yeah, that was, that was me. And I've been perfectly healed to live on this earth to proclaim that. It had a temporal message for an eternal purpose. And so what is that eternal purpose? Is that Jesus is powerful, that he is mighty, and that he is victorious over the effects of sin, the effects through sin and death. And in Acts chapter 11, we see this again, starting with verse 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. And there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now there are a few things here, and I kind of threw them all in there. But there's a couple things to note. One, right after the persecution that occurred when Stephen was stoned, that these people were gathered around. And there were people sent out to different places, and then they were preaching the Lord Jesus, and a great number of people came to the Lord. And then here we have Barnabas, and it's talking about Barnabas and how he came to them, and how he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with a steadfast purpose. Again, looking at how this is connected to the passage in chapter 2, where there's this calling of steadfastness in their attending. We see that that word was a much more potent word than just attending. And then here Barnabas has this reputation among them of being a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And through this ministry of Barnabas, through his proclamation of Jesus Christ, coinciding with his reputation, many people came to the Lord. So much that here in Antioch, it is the first time that God's people are called Christians, which means Christ-like, to be those who are followers of Jesus Christ, that they created a name for themselves. So in the midst of this particular portion of Scripture, again, you see that there is the proclamation of Jesus, obviously, but it's associated with people. It's associated with Character. It's associated with 
reputation that they had. That even for some that do not even believe, their reputation was being manifested as being those who are followers of Christ. And then lastly, in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew his father was Greek, and they went on their way through the cities. They delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem, so that the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Now, this seems a little bit of a mundane particular passage, but I wanted to again highlight these things that as Timothy was called to be a minister, again, his reputation was attached to his ministry, that they saw in Timothy that he was well spoken of. But it was interesting here, I thought that was good. It says they delivered to them the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders. As the apostles and the elders were forming the new church, They were making conclusions about the doctrines of faith. And you have to remember, they didn't have the New Testament. Many of the meetings that they had, especially in Acts 15, when they had the councils together, they were determining how to make the distinctions of what was now called among God's people. What were they supposed to be doing? What was their particular calling in distinction to the Old Testament Jews? We have now the New Testament. There's not a need for that kind of teaching. So in many respects, the decisions that were being passed down to the church so they can observe these decisions were the first fruits and foundations of what would form the New Testament and the doctrines of faith that we have to this day. And they were strengthened by it. They were strengthened by a report of their presbytery report telling them what God was doing among them in their decisions. And through that strengthening, they increased in numbers daily. These are things that Luke has highlighted that every time there has been an increase in the early church, they were associated with these particular things, the proclamation of the gospel, the devotion to the word of God and the teaching of the apostles. The representation of signs and wonders to proclaim that Jesus is victorious over sin and death. And they were together and they had a good reputation. Is it our prayer that we as Christians have a good reputation? I brought an illustration today. I hope you all don't think I'm too fruity. For doing so. But does anybody know what this is? A cantaloupe. I was going to do a watermelon, but um, it's big and heavy, and so I didn't decide to do it. So what's inside? Does anybody know what's inside of a cantaloupe? Kids, do you all know what's inside of a cantaloupe? It's got fruit. It's delicious. It's a delicious fruit. What else is in there? Seeds. Seeds. Tons of seeds. 
The question I have for you today is, what kind of fruit are you? Now, I've seen, you know, silly things, surveys and things. What kind of fruit do you consider yourself? But I want you to think about this, and if you can bear with me, again, I don't want you to think I've lost my mind. What kind of fruit are you? Now, if I was going to plant more cantaloupes, how would I do that? I'd get the seeds of a cantaloupe and I would plant the seeds. Now, if I plant the seeds, do I use my mind power to make it grow? How does it grow? The sun? How did all that came about? The seeds. Has to go into the ground, is that what you said? The seed has to go into the ground. There are things that go on what's in the ground. There's the sun and there's watering, but what, who causes all that? God. God causes that. So answer for me, what kind of fruit are you? God's fruit. God's fruit? That's a good answer. You, what kind of fruit do you want to be? I want to distinguish those two questions. What kind of fruit are you? And what kind of fruit do you want to be? Now, I know it's kind of a fruity kind of conversation, but it's summer, and I like to think about fruit, and I like to eat fruit. If we're going to have a cantaloupe, I need to plant cantaloupe seeds. Seems pretty simple. If you wanted to be a cantaloupe, who wants to be a cantaloupe? Any of you kids want to be a cantaloupe? Anybody want to be strawberries? <laughs> Zane wants to be a cantaloupe. Do you see you want to be a cantaloupe? I like cantaloupe. I would be fond of you. You kind of are colored similar to a to a cantaloupe today. It's, maybe we're on to something here. If you wanted to be a cantaloupe, you'd want to be coming from a cantaloupe seed. So, oh, you want to be a cantaloupe? Well, I'm going to put a watermelon seed in there. Or I'm, I'm going to put um, asparagus in. Asparagus is not a seed. I'm going to mess up my thing. I'm going to put a corn seed in there, a seed of the corn. It wouldn't make any sense to do that. If you want cantaloupe, you got to plant cantaloupe seeds. If you want watermelon, you want to plant watermelon seeds. And so the question that I have for the church today is what kind of fruit do you want to be? Because as we see here in Acts chapter 2, this is the fruit of the Spirit being born in the church. All of these things that we're talking about. And there was an increase. There was a growth. But it has to come from something. And when we look at God's word, he tells us what is causing this fruit. And what we are called to do is to obey him. Now, we can't make cantaloupe grow. We can't make fruit grow. We can't make Christians. We can't make redeemed people. We can't do that. But can we plant seeds? Are we called to plant seeds? In Galatians chapter 6, I've already preached on this just a few days ago. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit 
will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now the interesting about, thing about that paragraph in Acts chapter 2 that I've been focusing on the, in the past five Sundays is that it begins with their work of planting and it ends with their reaping of a harvest all at one time. It's showing us this kind of full cycle. They were devoted to the word. They were planting in each other and in themselves the word of God. They were cultivating and gardening the work of the Spirit by sowing to the Spirit the things that were of the Word. You are here and you're in multiple levels of gardening. You are one, planting in yourself and in each other by your corporate worship together. You are planting seed. Your prayers plant seed. We cannot we did not make the molecular compounds of, of the seed. We did not create the word of God. But if we are given the calling to plant, we cannot bear forth fruit of our own will. We can't make good things come from us. The righteousness in the good name of God is not something that we can create in of ourselves. But if we plant the right kind of seed, as those in the early church did, what kind of fruit do we anticipate to see? And so the question is, what kind of fruit are we for the Lord? What kind of fruit do we want to be? If here they are adding to their number, what kind of people do we anticipate they will become if they are added to our number? If we're going to evangelize our families and our friends and those in our community, what are we bringing them to? When we think about what the early church is doing, they are reflecting the fruit of the Spirit. Are we anticipating that through the proclamation of the gospel that we are just going to have non-addicts? I've talked about that a lot. Or are we going to have people who are consistent in keeping down a job? Or are we hoping that we have people who just have good marriages and they get along with each other? Or they're nice to each other? Is that the kind of fruit that we're primarily focusing on Or are we wanting people who are reflecting the name of Jesus Christ? Like those in the church at Antioch. They were called Christians. They were reflecting Christ. And if they were reflecting Christ, it wasn't just because they were good people. It's because they were reflecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is today? What's that? The 4th of July. What happened on the 4th of July? 
Does anybody know what happened on the 4th of July? Is it one of those, it's so rhetorical that everybody knows? What happened on the 4th of July? Well, we sent a forth a Declaration of Independence from England. And it is considered to be one of the documents in the first movements of birthing a new country. What caused that to happen? What caused us to form a new nation? Being oppressed by England? Okay. What else? Anything? Well, I would like to ask a few of the founders of the United States what they think may have caused the things that have happened here in this nation. I'm going to give you a quote. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and the freedom of worship here. Does anybody know who said that? Patrick Henry. This quote was given by John Jay. He was the first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. By conveying the Bible to people thus circumstance, we certainly do them a most interesting kindness. We thereby enable them to learn that man was originally created and placed in a state of happiness, but becoming disobedient was subjected to the degradation and evils which he and his posterity have since experienced. The Bible will also inform them that our gracious creator has provided for us a redeemer in whom all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, that this redeemer has made atonement for the sins of the whole world and therefore reconciling the divine justice with the divine mercy has opened a way for our redemption and salvation and that these inestimable benefits are the free gift and grace of God, not of our deserving, nor in our power to deserve. We are so far removed from the understanding in our nation of what seeds were planted here in this nation. John Jay was a son of Huguenots that were persecuted in France. They were unable to worship faithfully the Lord Jesus Christ. They came here much in very similar fashion of what we see there in Acts as those Christians who were being spread out after the persecution of Stephen and they were planting the seed of the word of God in these new cities and bearing forth a church a people, a people who would be called Christians. And here, Patrick Henry said that this country was founded on Christians. And as John Jay said, not by their own good work, but by the fruit that comes from the work of Jesus Christ. What kind of country do we want to be? 
If the country is a fruit, what kind of country do we long for it to be? Do we need to have more republicanism? Do we need to have more libertarianism? Do we need to have just lower taxes? Are we wanting a country that just has more liberty and maybe not property tax? And maybe we can have more guns without having them taken away. Is that what we long for? Or are we longing to be a nation that understands the true foundation of freedom when we are those who proclaim freedom from sin and death? See, our country is nothing but a fruit of seeds that were planted. Planted by the work of Jesus Christ. Planted by the movement of the Holy Spirit that bore forth the Reformation. That bore forth churches throughout Europe. That brought forth the circumstances of persecution and conflict that caused people to spread and land in the soil here which is now called the United States of America. If we desire to go back to truly celebrate and embrace the freedoms that we so much enjoy and love, let us not just focus on the leaf from the tree or the plant or the vine, but let us focus on the seed the very thing that had to be planted so that there could be the fruit of this nation. So in parallel, we must understand that this nation will not recover or find the revival that Jonathan was praying for this morning during prayer unless the church seeks to be the fruit of the Spirit. That we would seek to have that esteem in our communities as being those that are truly like Christ. And the only way that we can be that way is through the planting of the seed. We must be those who are truly devoted to the word. I know that when I get together with all of you, we are always lamenting, I am not in the word enough. And, you know, we can always maybe be overly um, negative about ourselves, but I think in this particular situation, it's the truth. We don't plant the seeds. We don't nourish the seeds in the way that the Lord has called us to do. It's kind of like me. Recently, we got some, I was trying to level out an area in our yard, and so I bought some more topsoil, and I was in a hurry, and so I went and got some grass seed, and um, I just kind of <laughs> you know, threw it all over the place. John came by and was rolling it around, and that's all I did. Walked away. And it's like, that's not growing anything. Why is it not growing anything? Why is it not doing anything? Well, I haven't followed the things that are there that are evident that I need. I need to be able to cover it. I need to keep it moist. I need to be able to water it. I need to be able to do the things that are very clear and that I've read everywhere and seen other people do to bear forth grass. Well, we can't just go and just read through the words. Okay, I've read, I've read through as quickly as I could. I've read that and just wanted to, bam, you know, want it to happen. We must look here in Acts 2 and see what they were doing. And if we desire to be called Christians, we must be devoted to the things that the Lord has instructed us to bear forth the fruit of that seed. We can't make grass, we can't make cantaloupes, and we can't make Christians. God makes those things, but he gives us seed. 
And he tells us to plant that seed. He tells us to plant that seed inside of ourselves first. It says in Galatians, again, do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And of his own, he brought forth by the word of truth that we would be kind, a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We know that the word of God tells us that Jesus is the word of God in John 1 1. And that John himself says that he came to bear witness about that light. How this is interwoven with the fruit of who we are is that as we are those who praise the Lord, we are pointing back continually to Jesus, and then our reputation is connected to the reputation of the righteousness of God. We're not to be pointing to ourselves so that we would have a good reputation. We're not to be pointing to our good works, but by the praising and witness of Jesus Christ, people will see the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 12, 21, when they asked, we wish to see Jesus, how did Jesus respond? It says, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his own life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This seed is not just the study of principles. This seed is not just the doctrines of faith. This seed is not just a literature compiled by a variety of different peoples throughout history. This seed is Jesus Christ, who was truly the seed that was planted in the ground and bore forth through resurrection and by proclamation gave us the life of the Holy Spirit. And we are called to follow him. If we seek to be those who are Christ-like, we have to be seed. Just like in the cantaloupe, you open it up and it's going to be seeds for more cantaloupe. And those seeds have to be planted. If we open up this fruit of the church, those seeds are us. We are the representation and the manifestation of the body of Jesus Christ before this world. And we are told in his word, to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with thanksgiving to God the Father through Jesus Christ. We must die. We must be planted. Our lives must diminish and his life increase. The reason why our founding fathers have a good reputation wasn't because they were wise and great. Even Ben Franklin, who had all of his different foibles and sins, he said, 
We are a nation created by a creator, and he is worthy to be worshipped. The reason why he has a reputation that he has is because he was one who pointed to God, even one who may have not even been a Christian himself, recognized the greatness of our creator. We need to be those kind of people, and our lives should be reflective of that. If we want to see growth continue like we see in Acts chapter 2, we must desire to be that fruit. We must desire to be that seed. We must understand what Jesus has accomplished and that his work will be done. It will accomplish. He will get his fruit. He says that the harvest is plentiful. It's the workers that are few. It's not that God's arm is too short to do the things he wants to do. It's just what kind of fruit will you want to be? And what kind of work will you do in cultivating that in yourself and in your family and in our church? There's no reason to even think about trying to have a restoration of our country if we do not start there. John Jay's family wasn't thinking about the United States of America when they fled from persecution They were thinking about worshiping our Savior. And by their desire to obey and do what the Lord had called the church to do and what we have seen in Acts chapter 2, they bore forth a fruit that has manifested something that really the world has never seen. I am not someone who wants to have American flags and patriotic songs in the Pledge of Allegiance in a worship service. But we must be a people who are thankful for what the Lord has done. We are a special nation. God's church goes throughout all nations. Maru's here is a multi-generational Christian from a place from a pagan nation. God reaches out to all nations and he says in his word he will draw them all to himself. But there is something unique about the manifestation of the blessings that we have in this country. And it's not just because men died for it. People are dying in all kinds of countries all over the world. But it's because Jesus Christ died for his people. And his gospel changed people. The seeds bore forth fruit. And we have a special blessing here only for that reason, that reason only. And we are losing those blessings because we have lost the planting of seed. Again, he will bring forth his fruit. He's already told.